3: Welcome to the weekend edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, We're going to switch up uh, these weekend editions of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. We're going to focus in a bit more on conversations that we have during the week that no other media platform would have, particularly any sports media platform, particularly ESPN, Fox Sports. But this will include... MSNBC CNN even Fox News we have discussions on this show on a daily basis that no one else in the corporate media space will ever touch never go to the depth that we do and we want to showcase that to try to explain to you why you need to be a part of the fearless army and what's unique about our show and so uh, Monday we had an awesome awesome discussion about touchdown Tua, Tua and Tug Viola, uh, the quarterback for uh, the Miami Dolphins and how everybody missed the boat discussing Tua's injury and like, hey, Tua's really, really injury prone. Perhaps that's the problem, not that the NFL isn't safe enough. Maybe Tua's body isn't built for the NFL. Take a listen to this. Steve Kim, uh, welcome back. It's Monday. Uh, Virgil Walker in studio. Have you and Virgil met? Uh, have met, you know, over air at, at any point? I'm not sure. Oh, we
0: have. No, we have I mean, we've we've exchanged. We, we've exchanged some things <clears throat> over over Twitter and social media, <clears throat> but have not yet met. I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I'm, I'm glad to, to be in studio and to get a chance to interact with you here. So that's great. The Korean
3: Cosell and the Bowtied Bandits uh, together here on this Monday afternoon. Uh, all right, Steve, I'm going to start with you. Should Tua, is he fit for football? Should he give up football? Should that be the real conversation we're having rather than changing all the concussion protocols?
2: Well, I mean, there's this phrase, he ain't built for this. And if he's not, he's not. And I love the boxing analogy that you use. And sheesh, you couldn't even give Tua little mac status you just flat out called him glass joe but it's hard to argue because the reality is availability is the best ability in the national football league and their mentality is next man up and i I think there's a real issue with the way everyone reacted i want to give tony gonzalez credit because i know the outrage mob when it comes to going against the establishment of the national football league and that whole machine of football is the proper thing to do because you're given that safety cocoon of being PC and quote-unquote on the right side of history, right? But Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, who's covering this much closer given the fact it is the Dolphins, he put out some really interesting tweets on Saturday and Sunday where he said, well, wait a minute. The team in the league went through the protocol. He was cleared. There was an independent third party that cleared him. Every new rule was put into place. So then the question becomes, Jason, are we actually doing medical diagnosis or are we merely doing optics to appease the mob? You know, and that's the thing that gets me is like, well, wait a minute. If Tua bailoa is not durable, unfortunately, now you're seeing, as you said, the Tua effect, other players and teams are going to be affected by this. And something about that is very illogical. You're right, because go back to boxing. There are a lot of really good amateur fighters. Uh, names like kelsey banks and augie sanchez come to my mind immediately they were really good amateurs everyone thought they were going to be future world champions you know what the problem is jason in the amateur boxing system you have headgear at least you back then and then bigger gloves and once those guys had to face eight and ten ounce gloves and no headgear oh boy they had no punch resistance and their careers really fizzled out quickly to your question real quickly why do people care more about boxers uh health in the National Football League. I don't think they do. I just think this is given more coverage because the National Football League is the greatest highest ranking television show the past 25 years. Okay? If boxing was that important, we'd have the same discussions. However, I want to say this, in the last couple of decades there have been more safeguards for boxing Jason cuz I've seen the reports. When a fighter suffers a cut, they're actually sometimes suspended for 60 to 90 days just for a cut. Now, if they get knocked out, many times the commission will actually file a report and they'll be suspended for four to six months. Now, that doesn't mean they can't spar or train, which is actually troublesome when they do it against the commission's ruling. But I would say that the National Football League protocol right now in its current form is going to make football As safe as it's always going to be, because like boxing, you can do whatever you want. You can cut down rounds. You can put, like, uh, doctors in the corner to actually stop the fight, to examine guys. The unfortunate reality is boxers will always be hurt. They'll always be concussed. And really, unfortunately, there will always be certain casualties related to the sport. And in football, men will get damaged.
3: Listen. Thursday night, when this happened, I had the same reaction as everybody else. Seeing little Biddy Tua, who is very likable, I've met him in person. guy comes from an awesome family. Seeing him stretched out, fingers are all mm-hmm. going with different directions. look, temporary paralysis. It, it, it was tough to look at, yeah. But when I see a boxer or a UFC fighter get knocked out the whole crowd, everybody erupts in excitement and applause, oh, this is wonderful. When we see it in football, we've been trained to now go, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. I don't understand, I I do understand the difference. My argument is like there's a pack of people out to destroy football because of its place of importance in American society, and they've already killed boxing or already knocked, boxing used to be, America's pastime, really was. And they've already knocked it off its pedestal and, and they're
0: trying to do the same thing with football. Virgil, I'm going to let you in here. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. Um, at the end of the day, what you're seeing in the NFL is just a, a, a really a capitulation to, to, to the mob. Uh, everyone's nervous about what things look like, the optics. I love what, what Steve Kim said. It really is about optics. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think the tool effect may, may even be bigger uh, than, than what you mentioned. Uh, one of the things that, that I made note of is, is as Steve Kim talked about, to his durability. We've been talking about smaller QBs for the last two or three seasons now. You know, with with, with, uh, with Kyler Murray, with Baker Mayfield, and again with Tua. And I'm wondering, I'm curious to see if the Tua effect doesn't extend into The kinds of if we get now the the more prototypical, you know, uh, quarterbacks as a result, the guys who are, you know, six, five, you know, six, seven and larger uh, that that they feel like will have durability. Either that or I think what will end up happening is their schedules will be managed in the same way that that's taken place in basketball. Right, certain certain. Load management. Yeah, load management will begin taking place, and they'll say, "Okay, this game doesn't necessarily matter." While it won't be advertised as such, uh, they may well be pulling pulling uh, QBs out of games that don't matter.
3: The thing I, I don't like about that, Steve, is as it relates to Tua. There's no proof that what happened to him on Sunday impacted what happened to him on Thursday. And, and we're all acting like they're connected. How could he be out there? Oh my, yeah. god. he looked, until that guy ragdolled him, he, he looked perfectly fine and was actually having a yeah. good game. I, I just hate everybody sitting on TV or, or on social media acting like they're doctors and they know exactly what happened here.
2: Guys, two points I wanna make as it related to that Thursday game. Look, football players and athletes and teams are now programming. And now they have this multi-billion dollar deal with amazon prime and obviously the quarterbacks are the centerpiece so there's no doubt about it if you're the league and the network you're thinking hey let's get Tua in there no one's here to see teddy bridgewater Tua was one of the early stories and then we have joe burrow because quarterbacks run the league those type of matchups right so yeah was there some external pressure to say hey can can Tua's okay right But here's the other thing. I saw a very interesting uh, conversation between Coach Jason Brown and your old partner, Marcellus Wiley. And they actually talked about the physical impact of a Thursday game after you play on a Sunday. And I thought for sure Marcellus would say, oh, God, those were terrible. We were so beat up. You know what he said? He says, no, here's the thing. If you came out relatively healthy, and relative is a term for football, the thing is on those Thursday games, Monday, you basically got off; it was a light day. Tuesday was another day off or a light day off. Wednesday was a travel day, and so Marcellus said, especially if you won, you love those weeks because you got three quote unquote free days. Nobody is going in pads. Nobody's doing an inner squad scrimmage, so that's a very easy thing to blame: is the short window of time. The other thing is, Virgil, I think on that particular play, well, size matters. It always does. Football is a game played by very angry big men. But I've said this, and just going to a pure football standpoint, again, Tua had that grenade, pulled the pin, and he let it blow up in his hands. He held the ball too long. And, and again, that may not have anything to do with his health, but style of play matters. But the the rush to judgment on this whole thing that, you know what? It's funny? I literally thought – that the way it was being talked about on Twitter, because I don't have Amazon Prime. I end up watching the game later that night on the NFL network that replays it. Okay? I'm thinking, man, poor Tua. He must be comatose, and he must be like those TV shows where you're in a hospital and the guy next to you is all wrapped up in bandages like a mummy. And I'm thinking, man, he's going to be there for like three, three weeks. Next thing you know, he's home on the team plane. I, so the narrative that this guy almost lost his life to the actual truth, they're not even reporting the truth that much.
3: They're not. The one thing I don't think to his issue is that he's 5'11", 6 feet. I mean, he is small. But, but there's, there's bone density, muscle density. I, I know some – there's some undersized guys – that are just genetically gifted and have a toughness and a durability that Tua just doesn't seem to have. He's got weak arm strength. I just don't think he's a naturally strong person. And and Steve, I loved your analogy to amateur fighters. There are some great amateur right. fighters that can that are nearly, you know, unbeatable with the headgear on and the bigger gloves. Once and and that may be Tua, you know, I'm sure he was one of the greatest high school players we've ever seen. He was a great college player. But now that the gloves are smaller and there's no headgear, he's just not built for this. And and as it relates to Thursday night football, because I'm not a fan of Thursday night football, playing an NFL game after four days seems kind of crazy. But then I did think about it like we would play college football on Saturday. You would wake up Sunday Sunday and feel like uh, you were in a car wreck, you you would watch film on Sunday, you'd have a no padded practice on Monday to let your body recover, and then this is, I'm talking about back in my day in the 80s, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you put the pads on and you started banging heads again, seven, you know, hardcore, what, yeah. the, what do they call it? Inside drill, offensive line. Drill, you went back, like <laughs> yeah. You went back to playing very physical on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and so it's like, huh. So basically, you know, we'd play on Saturday, we'd rest on Sunday and Monday, and then three days later we were back to banging each other, <laughs> you know, like it was no big deal, and so, the, the, the again, not a huge fan of Thursday Night Football, the collisions in the NFL. and to get the best product, I think you need at least that seven day rest. But I think there are unique ways that they could go about it. They would just say, what do you what do you think of my idea, Steve? In terms, two game preseason, 20 week season, 18 game schedule. And everybody's limited to 16 games. I hear you arguing about the quarterbacks, of the world, but look, I guarantee you the Cowboys ratings with Cooper Rush, there's not some significant drop-off between he and Dak Prescott. Over the long term, if you were having a steady diet of Cooper Rush and all that, I, I don't know, maybe there would Whoa. be some dramatic difference. But football survived for a long time when running backs were actually the superstars of the game and not the quarterbacks. And so it's just all who the, the corporate media or who the, the TV partners decide to celebrate. Football used to celebrate running backs, it's now pivoted to celebrating quarterbacks. You can sell whoever you want as the star. You, you could, th- That's a decision. People enjoy intense, high-quality competition, and whether Cooper Rush is out there or Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, I- I'm not sure if it makes a gigantic difference.
2: Well, here's the issue with that, and Virgil talked uh, about load management. You could do load management in an 82-game season. You could go on a three-game losing streak on a road trip in February. It will not impact you for the NBA Finals if you're a really elite team. It it really doesn't matter. In a 16-now-17-game season, you lose two in a row. Trust me, that third week becomes must-win in the middle of the season. So I don't know if it's really feasible. Now, if you had rules where you could say, all right, it's a 17-game season, but everyone can only play 16, and if it's a level playing field that everyone has to play under those regulations, I can see it. Here's the thing about quarterbacks, though, Jason, you know this. Um, they never get hit though, even in practice. It's everyone else. They wear a red jersey. I mean, you touch a quarterback, you may be out the door. I mean, there's an old joke that they used to apply to Troy Aikman. Post-Jimmy Johnson would always grouse about Barry Switzer and he'd say, Barry, we need more physical practices. And Barry would say, "Uh, Troy, you're the quarterback. You don't hit anybody. You guys always want tough practices because it doesn't impact you. So you're absolutely right. So the other thing is, let's go back to the size issue. And you talked about bone density and durability. uh, Russell Wilson, he's a short little guy. Look at how many times he's been sat the first decade of his career. He's been beat up like an everlast heavy bag, but you know what are they what they say about the Timex? He took a licking and kept on ticking, and, and and he's not that big of a guy. But you're right; for some reason, he is able to withstand the pounding that he has taken behind some very bad offensive lines early in his career in Seattle. Uh, but I just it, it's really interesting to me that Chua. You're right. The ironic part is. Because one of the most non-durable, if that's even a word, or brittle football players keeps getting hurt, the whole league has to now treat everyone else with kid gloves. It it just does not make sense, gentlemen.
3: Tuesday, we moved on, still playing off the Tua situation. Uh, We focused in on Michael Irvin, thankfully, beautifully, going at the people that were trying to crucify Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel over the way the Dolphins handled Tua. You won't hear this. And look, it's not just criticism you'll get on the show. We'll praise the good stuff we see. Michael Irvin on first take. A great analysis and discussion of Irvin's comments about Mike McDaniel.
4: I felt like everybody was placing this on Coach McDaniel. And I thought that was totally unfair. Totally unfair. This is a first-year coach who has come in and has done an incredible job with the football team by putting players in position to win and using their gifts and their talents. We had a very unfortunate, very unfortunate situation. For people to start questioning this man's character, he has nothing in his history that says he has anything anywhere would, uh, would put any, put anybody in harm's way like this. For us to start putting it on him where he has to sit up here and describe his intimate relationship and how close him and Tua is so we can try to believe his, his reasoning behind playing Tua. I, th- I thought that was too far. I thought that was wrong. You know, he, he didn't make the final decision. I'm glad they got rid of the people that they thought might have made a made a bad decision or made a mistake in the process of evaluating Tua. But we were absolutely out of line and, and, and pushing this upon Coach McDaniel. This is a young man who just got in the league. Moving forward, players are going to determine, do I want to go over there and play with him? And and, and to put this on him, and he hadn't earned it, I thought was wrong. And I actually thought it was some jealousy by some of the other people in the league Mm -hmm. of his success. And I heard people say, I haven't seen anything like this in 40 years. Stop lying. 12 years we've had this protocol in place. Before that, we used to watch people get knocked out, go over to the bench, me, myself, take smelling salt and go back in the game. The hyperbole to try to make him look even worse is what I did not like. I thought Mm -hmm. they were wrong for doing that.
3: people think I just hate ESPN. But if ESPN was that, you'd never hear me criticize ESPN. All you would do is see me doing exactly what I'm doing today. Michael Irvin kept it real 100%. I didn't even know you could do that on ESPN. I didn't know you could be honest and talk about the reality. Because I wa- on Sunday, the, the clip I played, I watched four people that was like, these guys, Rex Ryan? I know I know his brother, Rob, well. Used to come on my show. They're his Buddy Ryan's son. Yeah, uh-huh. Buddy Ryan? And the defenses he coached? And the kind of hitting that went on in the NFL the entire time? And got you what they used to show the people on the sidelines with the smelling salt underneath their nose after taking a big hit. And we're acting like, oh, this is beyond the pale. Teddy Bruski comes out and plays after having a stroke? Matt, Matt, the phoniness of these people blows my mind. Thank God for Michael Irvin. It, it restored my faith like, oh, men at ESPN are allowed to carry balls with them. They just got to be man enough to demand that they hold it. They don't turn them over to Sam Ponder or Molly Caram or whomever. They're just man enough to say, nah, I got these pair and I'm going to let them hang. Thank you. Michael Irvin, you restored my faith in humanity.
2: Well, do you mean Michael Irvin or touchdown Jakes? Because he was preaching, and I almost got the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's a, that's a Miami hurricane right there. That's a renegade. Um, I like Rex Ryan. He's one of my favorite characters in football. I actually wanted him to be a great, successful coach because he was a breath of fresh air because the, he was the anti belichick he wasn't just captain cliche. He'd be bold. He'd be fun. But I have a question. If we, so we're saying that every staff that Rex Ryan was on, whether it's the head coach, defensive coordinator, or just an assistant, you would never find a player throughout all these years in the national football league that ever took painkillers that was ever shot up before a game that played when they, are you sure? Rex, really? So you treated every single kid like, oh, you know what? That sprained ankle. Don't take that shot. Don't take those painkillers. You know what? Stay out. Even though the playoffs on the line as a guy that's like a son to me, really, Rex, you're telling me you have never, especially based on your father's background, when they used to go two a days with full pads and just kill each other for hours. Rex is going through, I believe, some revisionist history to fit the agenda. Now, all of that stuff, uh, and I said it to you, and you're doing the show, but the performance that Dominic Foxworth put on today on one of those ESPN shows I saw on my phone on Twitter, he literally had the nerve to say, this is about the fans. The fans only care about the game. and they." W-. I'm like, Dominic, the fans actually just watch football to watch football. Right. If you're a football player, we care about your performance as a football player. I, I know it's a novel thing, but here's the issue, Dominic go to your players union they sign off on all of this the extra games they they couldn't have done this unilaterally how about this why doesn't your player union fight for more natural grass fields which seem to be a little bit safer in terms of impact it's amazing what is going on here is that i believe michael urban is kind of protected because remember he's on espn right the emasculated scent programming network but he's not a full-time member he does guest spots but he's got other forms of revenue he has options to tell the truth
3: the thing that you're telling me about dominique foxworth is 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 blowing my mind it's like the, the, these people make all this money playing this violent game that's predicated on feeding people's thirst for competitive violence Right. That's what football is. People have a thirst to see competitive violence. And that's what made the game popular, and that's why Dominique Foxworth and all these other guys signed million-dollar contracts. That's why they're on TV. And then once they get off TV, they oh, that game is so brutal and so rough, and, and these fans are so diabolical and evil, and oh my God, they don't care about us as people, blah blah. It's like they want to close the drawbridge and say, let's shut it off for everybody else. I'm just, Dominic, why do you think people go to the games, watch it on TV? Why do we watch boxing? Why do we watch UFC? Why do we watch football? We like to see competitive violence. Yeah. I used it to get a college scholarship and get college educated. Dominic used it probably for the same reasons and to make millions of dollars. Now you wanna catch religion and be repulsed by the game, then quit talking about it. If you weren't a football player, you wouldn't be on TV. You wouldn't have this post career that you have. These people are so dishonest, so phony, so emasculated. It's embarrassing. They don't have the good sense to be embarrassed. They don't even, They don't understand the game. They don't understand what makes it popular. They don't understand how they made their money. They're idiots. To put this on the fans who literally have
2: no say in the process, that's the God's honest truth. They literally have no say in the process except to make the choice to watch it and support it financially, which most of the benefits and the rewards go to the owners and the players. And if Dominic Foxworth is looking for picket lines of fans with signs that say, stop the violence, uh, less tackling, please, and us marching in circles. A, A, A Foxworth, not going to happen. And, and you're right. And I see this with boxing fans all the time. They're the biggest hypocrites, the ones that talk about the sweet science, the art of boxing, and the manly art of self-defense. But can I just be honest with you? When me and my friends or any other people online, on Twitter, when we talk boxing, there's very few times, maybe when it comes to Pernell Whitaker, Jason, when we talk about memorable fights or bouts that we rewatch. I never actually say, Hey, Jason, man, the fainting and the slipping and dodging of punches. Wow. I could watch that all day. No, we love the blood and guts. We have to be honest about it. This is a gladiator sport as is football and a team concept, but to put it on the fans, uh, that, that to me blew my mind. I sent you the clip. I think your head's going to explode, Jason, but the guy literally had a, had the nerve to say that some of this is on the fans. Give me a damn break. I I
3: don't. These people are just so disingenuous, so dishonest, so phony, fake and stupid. I, I just me and JB, Jason Brown talked about it yesterday. It's like they're throwing all these athletes on and and w- many of them just don't understand they knew their position they could back pedal fast they could run fast they could jump they could do all that but they don't remotely understand i can remember back before i was exiled and kicked out of the mainstream the nba used to have me come speak to the nba rookies mm-hmm. uh, at the symposium and and try to feed them some truth and, and i can remember young nba players and this is across the- arguing with me saying that the majority of fans in the stands were under 25 and many of them black and 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 I was like you don't even understand who the customers are and so (laughs) how can you serve them if you don't know who the customers are I was like are you kidding me this is And literally, I'm having this argument with him where he thinks that the arenas are filled. There's a student section at college games. Don't get it twisted. That, That little small percentage of students they let in at college games, that's not who's actually in the arena. And certainly when it comes to the NBA and professional sports, there is no student section. It's a bunch of grown men taking their kids and families to games. It's corporations. And people are there to see competitive violence. One of the reasons that everybody loves to say the NFL is so popular because of gambling, because of gambling, and that's why that's the only advantage it has over the NBA. You can bet on the NBA; the gambling's there. What's yeah. not there is the violent competition, and the and, and 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 that's how the violence is how we know. Like man, these guys are really competing. They're mad at each other. And that's why the NBA League, where everybody's best friends now and everybody does jersey swaps and everybody uh, vacations to get, it's not as compelling as it was when the Boston Celtics and Detroit Pistons used to throw Michael Jordan to the ground. And there would be fights. Jason, those youngsters, uh, those young
2: men who told you that the demographic makeup of the NBA was mostly under 25 and black. They they just showed you they would never actually been to an NBA game. Uh, Honestly, Uh, the biggest issue that I have right now, some athletes is they will tell you as they take their talents to a city for the most amount of money. And this this is fine because we are capitalists here in this great country of America. You are mercenaries. You are professionals that get paid based on your trade and your skill, which you have earned. You are mercenaries, which is fine. So with that mercenary mindset, do not expect me as a fan or anyone else to treat you as my family member. Like I told you, Eric Dickerson was one of the four big posters I had on my wall as a a young man growing up in Montebello, California. It was one of those Sports Illustrated posters that were very, very popular in the 80s in a Rams uniform. The day he got traded, Halloween night, 1987, one of the saddest days of my life. It was the first time I realized they don't care about me. He doesn't care about this Korean kid in East L.A. that just worshipped him. But he wanted more money, and he got shipped off to his old coach in Indianapolis, Ron Meyer. It was never quite the same. I'll never forget, Jason, that Wednesday, my Sports Illustrated comes in my mailbox. Now, like you, that was one of the special days of my childhood. Every week, that SI would come. That cover meant something. So I opened up the mailbox, <laughs> and it's Eric Dickerson in a Colt uniform. I mean, a part of me died because his first game was with the Jets. They actually threw him in there. I, I, I looked at this thing for like 20 seconds and I just said, say it ain't so. But you know what, Eric? You wanted your money. You're a mercenary and I'm just a fan. So obviously you didn't care about me. So do not act like you deserve to be treated like a member of the family. It does not work that way. The other thing is a uh, great, great discussion with Jason Brown. Boy, he's a renegade. I am loving those segments, right? And what's interesting is not – my biggest thing is not only are the players not really experts on the game, which is kind of understandable because a left tackle will not necessarily know how to break down a cover three. I get it, okay? The worst thing is a lot of these athletes try to become social and cultural critics. And they use this whole racial thing, and meanwhile they know – I am living in a white-gated community while demonizing these very same people I call my neighbors. That, to me, is the most maddening thing, is that particular hypocrisy.
3: All right, that's me praising ESPN. Now let me rip them. Dominique Foxworth, this beta male working over at ESPN, whining and crying
4: about, what, no one feels sorry for the NFL players. The fans don't care. The fans need to be blamed.
3: I went after this beta. Take a listen. Get
4: ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
3: Steve Kim sent me this yesterday from Dominique Foxworth. Uh, one of the beta males over at ESPN. And 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 I've met Dominique and don't don't have a real problem with him. He's just fallen into the ESPN beta male culture, although I think he was built for the beta male culture. Uh, but, but, and I really don't have a problem with him. But I that sounds like I do. But 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 I want you to watch this take uh and and, and about Tua and just I'll break it down for you about This guy nails himself and other professional athletes to a cross, NFL players to a cross. And he's just clueless and doesn't know what he's talking about. But I'll explain. Let's watch.
5: It's frustrating to me to listen to and read fans and and media and everyone being all up in arms. we all got to take responsibility. And I think Mike McDaniel in that press conference, he should have taken responsibility. Don't pretend like you out here, I'm protecting all the players. Take responsibility for the role that you played it at. And Swagoo taking responsibility for not raising more noise before that. He's taking responsibility. All of us, and the fans in particular, need to take responsibility because it's not just these ugly hits that are a problem. Like every weekend that there is football played, there are players out there who shake hands afterwards and feel fine, but they have gotten closer to having some sort of long long-term issue or having some sort of CTE. So we all understand that. We accept that. And what frustrates me is all these people, fans in particular, pretending like they give a damn about Tua or they give a damn about football players all of a sudden. When we're in these collective bargaining meetings and we're arguing for to not have Thursday games after Sunday games, to have a bye, to not have a 17-game season, arguing to increase the pay of players because the risk of this game is so damn high, there are not fans up there fighting and throwing themselves all in a tizzy on Twitter because of that. They're yelling at us. They're like, no, get back and play football. So just keep that same damn energy. You give a damn about Tua now, give a damn about all the rest of the players in the offseason when we're trying to fight to have a second opinion. We have to give up percentage points of our salary cap in order to force the teams to give our players a second opinion in doctors. And don't nobody give a damn when we're doing that.
4: <laughs>
3: I don't, I'm just surprised he didn't start bobbing his head. Don't nobody give a damn about us when we doing that. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, this beta stuff. And this is what I'm talking about in terms there's no resistance. These guys are playing seven on seven. Mm. Somebody needed to say, hey, bro, let's go talk to some coal miners. Let's go talk to the roughnecks that went up on these uh, uh, skyscrapers and fell to their death. Uh, building these skyscrapers, hotels that you live in or you you visit from time to time. This whole thing that oh God, these NFL players and what they go through. Oh, it's just incredible nobody gives a damn. You know why nobody gives a damn? Because you signed up, you volunteered to play a violent uh, to play mm. a violent sport. And you're well compensated for it. You get to play a child's game for millions of dollars. No one is going to cry for you. I'm not crying for Larry Holmes, Muhammad Ali. I'm not crying for Sonny Liston. I'm not crying for Conor McGregor or whoever else is in the UFC, John Jones. I'm not crying for Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray L- I'm not crying for Terry Bradshaw. I'm not. Fourth grade, TJ, or no sixth grade, sixth grade. This, this is me just a little sixth grade kid. I wanted to play football so bad and we, I was on a terrible team. Cincinnati Bengals, Northeast uh, Football League in Indianapolis. <laughs> and I was the only good player on my team. Wesley Grounds was on my team. He was good, too. But there was just two of us. And we were terrible. But I, I love football. And I can remember, I think we played on a Saturday. That Friday, I did something to hurt my back. And my mother sat up with me all night rubbing Bengay on my back so that this sixth-grade boy could go play football on Saturday. Mm-hmm. My mother sat up with me all night, rubbing Ben, cause that's, Mommy, you gotta put this Ben game on, I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta, I got a bad back. We didn't go to no doctor, we didn't do anything, just my back hurt, put this Ben game on it. And I went out there Saturday and balled out and played. Yeah. Cause I loved it, in sixth grade. And my mother was right there with me, that's how important it was to me. and so. This, how we've softened the culture this much, and I'm not saying what me and my mother did was responsible in sixth grade, but that's what I wanted to do, and that's what these guys want to do. And so I've been so glad to see people like Tom Brady uh, came out with a statement on the record about, hey, look, man, concussions are just part of the game. uh, Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow came out and said it's just part of the game. And this whole thing now where everybody's sitting around worried about CTE, he's lying. And everybody knows he's lying because they've been playing this game for a long, long time with a lot less protection than they have now. OJ Simpson has been to prison and back, murdered people (laughs) and back, ran for 2,000 yards. He ain't got CTE. That man looks damn good. Every time I see him on social media, he sounds intelligent, can complete... Sentences, he's not suffering from CTE. Jim Brown is damn near 90. Still got his faculties, not the greatest, but, uh, you know, but he's 90. (laughs) Stop it. And somebody at ESPN put some resistance on these beta males. Run them off the air if they can't take it. It's driving me insane. That's my take. (laughs) Well, so you guys want to go
1: ahead and disagree and tell me how stupid I am. No, no, I'm a fan of that one. So if if CT, I don't believe in CT, but if it does exist, Dominique Foxworthy has it. And apparently it turns you into a beta male. Yeah, Um, that that's number one. The second thing is we do this societally to people. We do it with athletes. We do it with actors. We do it with people who have money. We think, oh, they've made it. So they must be right. They must be smart. And most of them are idiots and they get up and they go fully unchallenged. I'm telling you, there's a lot of really rich people that are really stupid, but they've got $10 million and they sit at the table and everybody nods along while they give their really stupid opinion that doesn't make any sense. Last part of what what, uh, Foxworthy said there was, he said, you know, everybody needs to take responsibility. He said head coach McDaniels needs to take responsibility. Well. I guarantee you, and I'll bet we could find it, when Anthony Fauci said you need to take this vaccine, there was no second do your own stuff. It was listen to the experts. Well, are you supposed to listen to the experts only when it comes to a vaccine? Or do you listen to the experts who actually know something about neuroscience? Right? How how about Tua taking responsibility?
3: Uh, Because everybody's talking about him going back (laughs) in that Bills game. And so literally, Tua's no different than me in sixth grade. There's a football game, I'm playing. I'm going to I'll yep. deal with the ramifications afterwards, but I'm playing. You're going to have to drag me off this field. And so Tua, if, if, if there's a good chance the reason Tua went back into the Bills game if he was concussed, if he was concussed, is because he wanted to, and he may have lied to them about the symptoms because he wanted to play that bad.
1: I've done that. Have I, have yeah. I told you this story? I, <clears throat> we were playing against uh, Kansas. This is in college, and I got knocked out on the field. Right, took a handoff, reached the ball out, somebody hit me at the same time, hit my head, you can see they zoom in on my face, I'm out. Tim Barnes, our center, Blaine Gabbert picked me up. I'm running while I'm out on the way to the sideline. I get to the sideline and stupid question after stupid question, hey, how'd we get to the field? What are we doing here? How'd we score? I was the one who scored, right? And my dad's sitting in the second row and medical staff, me and everybody, we're good. Went right, didn't miss a drive. I knew, what I, I knew I was concussed as soon as I came to, and I wanted to play football. And that's what people who like football want to do.
3: Yeah.
2: Guys, I've never checked the bio of Dominic Foxworth, but I think he's from Napa Valley because he's got a lot of wine. Give me a break. I'm a fan. <laughs> I bear no responsibility. And he said it himself. This is on the players' union. You guys acquiesced. Part of your collective bargaining agreement, which the Players Association has infinitely more say than a fan, uh, they're to blame. Put the onus on them. That's the reality of the situation. And by the way, part of this new concussion protocol, whether you think it was too light, too easy, too lenient, or very flawed, none of it actually, it's like the team doctor, the neurosurgeon, third party, But they don't go to, all right, now let's check in with the fantasy league owners. What do they think? I mean, how many leagues are on the line if he doesn't get? They don't even have a hotline. 900, hey, fans, yes or no, should Tua play? Call in. This ain't American Idol. The other thing is, though, this is all part of the new thing that began in 2020, the more than an athlete thing. Can we be honest about it? Look, I got some Miami garb on. I'm making a stupid decision to go to the UNC game. I'm going 3,000 miles to see my beloved Hurricanes. Now, those young men that suit up for the U, um, I don't give a damn about their biology degree. I don't care about their GPA. I care about the game. I like the football program. I'm not going to lie about it because that's the most honest way to be about it. Yeah, do I want these kids to do well in their life? I guess. But at the end of the day, I'm there for the football game and the football players. I I mean, if I went to an Anita Baker concert, paid good money, and I love Anita Baker. She's a very important part of my Sunday yoga. And she just walked out on stage and she said, you know what, guys? A lot of things have been going on with my life, and I'm more than just a singer. That wouldn't be good with me. I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. There's no one in the world I want to see. So I don't care what's going on just because uh, I better hear some sweet love. Get your ass out there, Miss Baker. I love you, but you are a performer. Do your damn job. I'm sorry. I, I don't get this. Like, guys, if you called a plumber or a carpenter because you had some issues around your residence and they showed up and they got all their tools out and you're thinking, okay, honey, don't worry about it. We got this fixed. None of them ever say, God, you know, guys, I'm really worried about society. There's certain things that really worry me about white supremacy and the economy. And I I don't think I want to do the job, but hey, pay me. It doesn't work that way. And I think it's all part of that movement of this activism. And it's funny. I would love to have gotten the real reaction. I think it was Jeff Saturday that was next to Dominic Foxworth. Because you know that he's probably thinking, are you crazy? But, But he can't say it. So you can't even have an honest discussion. Look, I am not questioning the sincerity of his statements he believes that he believes that you're telling me that whole panel actually agreed that responsibility is shared by the fans i find that very hard to
3: believe thursday we unveiled a new feature my pay your mortgage picks my gambling picks uh for the football weekend i focused on three nfl games three nfl favorites Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo favored by a bunch or by a touchdown in that game, I believe. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, is favored over Atlanta uh, by, I think, nine points. And and anyway, I go into my NFL gambling picks, my pay your mortgage picks. Take a listen. Uh, So uh, (laughs) let's start with uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. The Bills are favored by 14 points. Here's why. Pittsburgh is without T.J. Watt. Five DBs are nicked, including Minka Fitzpatrick missing practice time, and Cam Hayward is nursing a few injuries as well. This Steelers defense that allowed teams quarterback by Jacoby Brissett and Zach Wilson to average 27 points per game. (laughs) The Steelers are starting a rookie quarterback behind a pedestrian offensive line. Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, Hasn't forgotten the beating he endured last season when the Steelers upset Buffalo to open the 21 season? (laughs) The Bills offense will score at will this weekend, and this game will be very profitable for everyone. The Bills minus 14, I love it. They're gonna win by more than two touchdowns. If you wanna be greedy, take the over at 46. All right, let's move to game number two. Chicago at Minnesota. The Vikings look to open the uh, season 3-0 against NFC North opponents, having already beaten the Packers and the Lions. Simply put, the Bears' offense is horrendous. Quarterback Justin Field is the worst quarterback in the league. He's completed 51% of his passes and averaging a meager 155 total offensive yards per game. The Bears have scored a combined six offensive touchdowns in the first four weeks. And to further bury this unit, they rank 30th in the NFL in yards per drive and yards per play. Minnesota's passing game is starting to wake up and show signs of life. And the defense, for the first time all season, could be 100% healthy. Kirk Cousins has a big game, as does Dalvin Cook. Take the Vikings, minus seven. You'll be paying your mortgage. Vikings win by 15, 16 points here. Take my word. Yep. Uh,
1: Oh, you agree with me? No, I like that Uh, one. All right,
3: right, uh, here's my third game of my last of the big favorites. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Are you kidding me? Tom Brady coming off the news that Giselle is leaving him. or They're divorcing. This man will be trying to silence his critics this weekend. He don't want no silly questions about, Tom, did you play poorly because Giselle dumped you? (laughs) He ain't having that. He ain't having that. Brady is 10-0 all-time against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. He's 4-0 as the Bucks QB versus the Falcons with 15 TD passes. His last three starts, the Bucks beat the Falcons by an average of 17 points. What are the chances of Tom Brady losing three straight games? It ain't happening. What are the chances of Tom Brady losing four straight home games? It ain't happening. Atlanta just played, uh, just placed their best player, Cadero Patterson, on injured reserve, and tight end Kyle Pitts is less than 100%. Worse news? I got even worse news. Marcus Mariota, he's healthy. He's playing. <laughs> <laughs> the Buccaneers are minus nine points. Hop all over that. They're going to crush them. You want to be greedy? Take them in the first half. Take the Bucks in the first half when they're minus five and a half points. Pay Your Mortgage, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, he will not be standing in front of a microphone taking a bunch of questions about, Tom, you know uh, you and Giselle split up this weekend. Is that why you played so poorly? That ain't happening. All right. Those are your Pay Your Mortgage picks brought to you by Big Sexy, Big Mouth Sexy Opinions. Friday we topped the week off with a long analysis of Kanye West's week uh, in controversy, his week, uh, or his interview with Tucker Carlson on Thursday night. I analyzed the discussion on Tucker's show Thursday. Briefly, we went in depth on Friday and got into all the issues related to uh, Kanye West. Here's an excerpt, enjoy. Uh, Kanye West, is not as confusing as he often sounds. His outlook on life stems from a defined set of values spelled out in the Bible. His actions and words often conflict with his outlook. He's normal. Every human being struggles to align their values and deeds. The difference between West and most human beings is the transparency of his failures. Yesterday, West sat down for an interview with Fox News host Tucker Carlson. The 45-year-old rapper, fashion designer, and provocateur was his usual mix of brilliance, confusion, contradiction, and oddity. When asked how people respond to a baby ultrasound lanyard he wears, West proclaimed his faith. Take a listen. Just landed, and okay. the lanyard's still on from it, and there's a photograph on it. What is that? It's a photograph of a baby's
6: ultrasound. Why is that? and that you designed that? Yes. Why, what does that mean? Uh, it just represents life, I'm pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What, what kind of response do you get, and, and amen, I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point. That 50% of black death in America is abortion. So I really don't care about people's responses. I perform for an audience of one, and that's God.
1: (laughs) I'm starting starting to see why they want to make you be quiet.
3: Yeah, uh, so am I. It was a brilliant and courageous answer, especially for a Hollywood celebrity. We've come to expect that from Kanye West. Earlier this week at a fashion show in Paris, West and gal pal Candace Owens donned t-shirts blazing with the words "White Lives Matter," the shirts mock the Black Lives Matter movement. Via Instagram, Kanye called BLM a scam. Owens has a documentary set to release in five days, "The Greatest Lie Ever Told," that is expected to further expose BLM's financial malfeasance and LGBTQ alphabet mafia agenda. Kanye is drumming attention for Owens' takedown of BLM. The progressive establishment, the globalists, using race to divide, conquer, and queer America are frustrated by their inability to control Kunta Kente West. That's my new name uh, for Kanye. Adidas is threatening to dissolve its longstanding partnership with West. Corporate media outlets dispatch their legion of race police to publicly flog West for affirming the value of white life. Rolling Stone complained that the shirts legitimized extremes, extremism. A potpourri of black intellectuals deemed the shirts disgusting, harmful, and dangerous. West did not back away from the controversy in his conversation with Carlson. He said he acted on a gut feeling. He then oddly analogized the stunt to disgraced Olympic figure skater, Tanya Harding. Take a listen. So you made reference to the White Lives Matter t-shirt mm-hmm. which you brought out at Paris Fashion Week.
6: Yeah. Why, wh- why did you do that and what did it mean? You know, I, did, I do certain things from a feeling. I like, I just, I just channeled the energy. It just feels right. It's using a gut instinct, a connection with God and just brilliance. You know like it's if you ask like tanya harding how she did the the triple flip or the triple spin yeah. she was in so much practice that when it was time for her to skate in a in a, comp, in a competitive format it just happened like it happened outside of practice it happened in the real format and that's what happened that's what's happening is god is like preparing us for the real for the real battles <laughs>
3: That's classic Kanye West, he contradicts. He brought Tanya Harding into it, but I love the ending where he's like, he's preparing us for battle. Kanye, at one moment, he'll produce an album titled Jesus is King, and then the next thing you know, he's collaborating with Lil Nas X on a song and video, Industry Baby, which depicts gay prison sex. West, like most of us, serves God and the world the pull of the world is much stronger for West. He's one of the world's biggest celebrities. The success of his music and fashion depend on public opinion and popularity. He he succumbs to those pressures from time to time. Fame is an intoxicating and destructive drug. Kanye is battling his addiction to it with biblical faith. I respect the sincerity of his fight. He truly values family and being a good father. He wants to see black Americans improve our plight. He believes in the power of truth. His comments related to abortion and the normalization of obesity. He said it's actually clinically unhealthy and for people to promote that it's demonic. Those things reveal a deeper understanding of the cultural rot destroying America. We're in a battle of good versus evil. Kanye is one of the good guys. He's trying to be on the right side of God rather than the history left-wing atheists plan to write. All right, that's it and that's all. Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. If you're on Apple, hit that five-star review, write a review, leave me a message. I love getting your messages. Uh, Have a fantastic weekend. I'm headed to Knoxville, Tennessee to do some speaking. Uh, I'm going to enjoy Knoxville. You enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you on Monday.